the blast from our past network. Folks, this just in. The ongoing comic book discussion podcast confirms comic books are cool. Welcome to Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we have a very, very special, awesome, cool guest named Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Hello. It's Kyle. Kyle is a guy that I met at a party. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Here. We are live from my mom's kitchen right now. It was my sister's party. He came with his girlfriend, and uh, we were like, you look like, go ahead. My girlfriend was like, she has a podcast. (laughs) I was like, she has a podcast. I have a podcast. <laughs> we should go talk about podcasts. Hey, podcast guy. You want to talk about podcasts? Well, and then I was told it was a horror podcast, and I got real excited. And then she said, it's a comic book podcast. I'm like, totally not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually on his podcast, This Is Rad, and we talk about my roller derby career, which Corey and I have brought up a few times on here. Um, and we are so happy to have you. Excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really fun episode. I really, really enjoyed listening to that, and I, I really liked listening to you guys over there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> They're really fun. This is, if you guys haven't checked out This Is Rad, it, it is exactly what it's... It's very, very rad. We have, uh, <laughs> we have our, our occasional comic book episodes. Might I recommend our two-part, seven-hour episode about the Invisibles. Wait, really? Yeah. That's a real thing? Yeah, we did a three-hour one and a four-hour one. You break sat... It down. Well, you have to do two and a half hours explaining chaos magic before you can even explain point <laughs> Corey, that's your thing. Yeah. Wait, you're yeah. a chaos magic person, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, a couple yeah, Discordians sure. talking here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love... Uh, I love right, me some like Grant Morrison, man. I love, uh, oh, I love everything right about things. it. It's, See, it's I, fun. I could get Tess's tone for comics because I believe my relationship with comics could best be described as cantankerous. <laughs> so I'm always worried with things like this where it's just going to be like, all right, let's get back to why Spider-Man is great and we shouldn't question anything. <laughs> no, the opposite of how I approach things. Yeah, T- Tess and I, every time we do a Grant Morrison uh, episode, like We Three and stuff like that, I, I go hard into the into the chaos magic stuff. Oh, you're, and you're I can just, Yeah, I can, I can enjoy that. But um, I've actually never read The Invisibles, even though I know it was a... It was a type of a long-form ritual for him, yeah. um, a magical ritual. So I've heard people talk about it and everything. Um, I need to dive into it. I just haven't basically taken the financial plunge because I think it's like, what, like five or eight trades or something it's like a, that? It's seven, although yeah. I learned doing you know, it my way is like if you start chasing those like 2000s trades issued instead of trying to go after an omnibus, it's actually pretty affordable. I did like used bookstores and record stores and stuff, Ooh. and it's kind of amazing how, how often you're able to find like – in specifically, like, Invisible, Sandman, and Preacher for, like, shockingly inexpensive prices. Because they just made so many of them. So, like, yeah. you just collect over time? Yeah. You don't collect, like, I'm all a real one-piece-at-a-time person. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like to do giant runs. I like to, to binge on a, on a run of a comic. And speaking of uh, used bookstores, The Iliad over on uh, Kawanga. Oh, I, and, I know it well. I yep. bought many of my copies of, of, uh, of The Invisibles there. Yep, yep, dude. I used to live right across the street from there, and I would walk over there and pick up something like almost every week and a couple times I picked up multiple copies of the same thing because the trade was like six dollars yeah, um, there's, there's it, it's also crazy how many like out of print things will just appear there and I'm just like oh cool 
cool. I didn't realize I have to buy this right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was the danger walking into the Iliad and going back there. I knew I would be walking out with something. The yeah. only problem with that was if I went there specifically looking for something, it's kind of hard to find because there's oh, so 100%. much stuff. So like Chaos Magic, you sort of just have to put your intention out there and just kind of accept whatever the universe sort of gives you. Yeah. Yeah, I made the mistake of going over there trying to sell issues, and they, like, all, th- I swear, there were, like, three guys up front, and they just all slowly turned to me, and they were like, we don't take issues. We yeah. take the entire graph. I was like, excuse me, I'm so sorry. My fault. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to go to, like, a comic book store to, to dump off some issues. Uh, those are the only real people that have any kind of, you know, need for back issues, essentially. It, collectors and comic book stores. Yeah, nice. Nice. Well, cool. Awesome. I am so glad you guys just had a moment of nerding out. I'm not going to lie. I just zoned out for a sec. Uh, (laughs) I got that a lot. (laughs) I'm like, they're going to talk about comic books and the Iliad. I'm on. Okay, I know the Uh, Iliad. I mean, Uh, you have pals up there in Portland. That's like a religious journey every time I'm up there for shows to go stop by pals. Uh, yes, that's. Uh, we went in there when we were visiting Portland. Uh, my wife and I are in Eugene, which is about an hour and 45 oh, minutes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. But, but yeah, pals is, is pretty famous. Anytime I play Pac Northwest, that is that is uh, must must see uh, travel for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great store. It's it's huge. We were in there when we visited. Uh, we visited Portland for the the, the regional Trader Joe's, um, you know, company uh, party thing. Uh, so my, my wife works at Trader Joe's. She's she's one of the mates uh, up here. And she used to work at like Studio City and, and whatnot. And um, uh, you know, they, every year they have those those big meetings or you know, it's it's great. Good food, everything. But we oh, were nice. down in Portland for for a day, and Pals was a place we went into. You couldn't miss it. We didn't even like know it was there we just saw it and we're like oh this looks neat it was a uh, it was brutal the last time i went because i went in with that like i'm gonna look for a couple of books and then when they don't have them it'll be fine and they had all of them i even like threw stuff at them that i didn't think would work like uh <laughs> like old reissues of like evan dorkin books and like i got like the first grendel omnibus like stuff you just oh. don't find in a lot of stores and i was like well now i have to buy all this <laughs> yeah oh real quick side note speaking of grendel uh the grendel war trial war child trade is one of my favorite books of all all time and i oh, read right it on. probably every year and i don't i don't know why it's just real fun post-apocalyptic like sci-fi thing but our grendel war child is fantastic oh yeah grendel's a very new discovery for me so it's been kind of fun to go through it because one of those things that i was kind of knew existed and like would see the imagery and stuff like that because he just looks like violent or she like look like violent spider-man you know yeah. villains and stuff like that and kind of diving into it i was like oh this is insane and this goes like a million different directions and has all this like deep continuity and stuff it's a it's a it's a real fun run to dive into. I did a, a, an experiment last year. It was like, what is being a comic book fan like if you don't read anything by the big two? And the answer is, it's great. Uh-huh. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and you read a ton of dark horse books, and you have a wonderful time. Yes, yeah, I love Image Comics. I didn't realize. Yeah. I just like every time I favorite one, I'm like, oh my god, this is Image. I mean, Image is killing it. But it's you know when Vertigo kind of collapsed in on itself, mm. like all that stuff kind of became Image books. Oh, I didn't know that. The history of Image is is remarkable. Like how they started out, you know, as like this superhero thing with you know young blood and everything. And now you look at them, and and stuff like Lock and Key is now the main stuff. You know, like all these like smaller, uh, uh, not smaller, but like non superhero things. Lock and Key an IDW book then? Possibly. I What's just sort IDW? of. I, pulled that uh, out of my butt <laughs> but, but it, it's funny because you said it because it very much feels like it would be yeah like in it, the kind of style of image book. the one i always use the the gold standard is like sex criminals like you look yeah. at sex criminals and go like 
this this would have been like a crazy DC or I mean you know Vertigo book, and then after Vertigo kind of collapses in on itself, it's like oh I'm just I'm just glad that like things like that are still finding a home in comics because that yeah. is like like I more than anything else in comics like old Vertigo is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. And so, like, seeing people still kind of taking a chance and doing these interesting books like that has been really neat to see. And uh, Sex Criminals is really neat. Essentially, when they have when they orgasm, they stop time, and then they rob, rob banks. banks and stuff. It's really, it's oh it sounds like God. a weird premise, but it's really well it's written. So and every, yeah, it's, it's really neat. Um, <laughs> They're like, what have we not written about? I know. I yeah. got it. <laughs> and, and Tess, to answer your question of what is IDW, it's another independent um, uh, comic book company. Uh, at this point, I mean, I used, when I worked at Diamond, IDW was, like, still kind of new. Um, so, but now it's 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 up there with Image and, and uh, oh, shoot, what else do I want to say? Uh, Image me, it, and Dark it Horse. It almost become, like, what Dark Horse was for a long time, mm. where it's, like, we're, like, we'll find properties and issue out books from that, but then also, like, they've started experimenting with, like, new, like, original stuff and the original yeah. stuff kind of like stuff like lock and key was their first book that like was an original property that super caught on and well, i think like the fact that joe hill has subsequently gotten more and more well known has really brought back keeps bringing eyes back uh, like lock and key is one of those weird books that just refuses to die like it just keeps uh, kind of coming back and getting popular again and now it's going to be a what a netflix series netflix so. show I'm ho- oh. it's good. you ever seen the pilot for the fox one no uh-uh, it is no. a bummer And and to your point about the license stuff, um, honestly, the only book that I am sort of current on is the IDW Ghostbusters. Your Ghostbusters book is so good. It's it's so good. It should be terrible. Like every part of it feels like it should be a terrible idea, and it's it's consistently excellent, and it kind of boggles my mind. Yeah, and I I collect. Hmm? You, why have we not read that one? His Ghostbusters, he's obsessed. It's, and this one's fun because it, it does. There's, there's a run where they all disappear and a new squad comes in. It's like a lady who's an NYPD cop, oh my a God. guy who was like a, a rival Ghostbuster bootleg guy. <laughs> yeah, Kylie from Extreme Ghostbusters, which is the reason that I fell into it because I loved Extreme Ghostbusters as a kid. And the there's a lady character named Kylie I was all about, and then Janine, <laughs> and they all become new Ghostbusters. Oh, that's and it's this awesome. amazing arc. That's it's awesome. it's really good. Um, the the problem is, is that I have most of my collection in the three omnibuses that they have the hardbound mm. omnibuses and tests that's probably why we haven't really done it yet we and i don't really know where to start on it because it's mm. such a huge like story arc because it does it takes place after ghostbusters one ghostbusters two and then the video game is canonically in yeah. this Whoa. book and, like the, and the and third movie sort of yep. exists in there as well it's they, so, we, yeah and as a kid who like liked all of Ghostbusters, not just like I like the first movie and I'm gonna make a weird thing on the internet about it. <laughs> like I love like the whole concept of Ghostbusting, and they really have that understanding in the way that like seemingly everything else associated with Ghostbusters has mm-hmm. completely failed. They mm-hmm. seem to succeed. By the way, if you were gonna start with anywhere, I'd say that Ninja Turtles Ghostbusters crossover yeah. because it's um, so excuse me, it's so stupid <laughs> awesome. and yet it's incredibly fun. Well, and, I love it, and I'm it down. opened up the doors uh, because of that. It opened up the doors. Uh, to having all kinds of multiverse crossovers in the yeah. Ghostbusters universe, and my favorite personal one was the uh, the Get Real story arc, where they cross over with the real Ghostbusters versions of themselves, and it's remarkable how Dan Schoening will actually draw the real Ghostbusters versions looking totally like like cells from the cartoon. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane, and. I mean, I can talk Ghostbusters forever, but I am, uh, I, was, I'm, I was born in 78, so I'm 42 years old. Ghostbusters is my favorite, one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I love real Ghostbusters. 
I hate Ghostbusters 2 oh, and see, every I think I secretly maybe like Ghostbusters 2 more than Ghostbusters 1 at the end of the day Ooh. all right that's our show everyone I'll see you <laughs> next weekend uh, but you know what we're not here to talk about Ghostbusters <laughs> 15 <laughs> minutes in we're here to talk about out. Mr. Miracle <laughs> All right, yes. So we are here to talk about Mr. Miracle, and whenever we, we want to have... Okay, you're officially our second guest on the show, and... Uh, ever. ever. Oh. Yes. So we when we have guests on the show, we like people to come in that talk to talk about comic books that they love, yeah. and it just so happens that it's February, so it's like Valentine's Month, and this is a love story, yep. which That's is awesome. Part of, one of my favorite parts about it is that, like, I love this book, like shows a functional and strong marriage which i really like i think is a thing that you almost never see in modern media like right? all marriages in modern american media are slowly falling apart which is a real bummer yeah. and i love that they're like oh that's right you can just like marry someone and then just love them and be good people together right and it's like because always the plot is somebody coming back from a breakup or like a marriage that didn't work yeah. or trying to get out of it but this one's like how to make it work yeah. uh, what's going to happen when it fluctuates you know ne- it's it's so neat that it's like the one thing you never question in this book that is full of questioning things is like like Scott and Barda are a team. Yes. I oh my gosh. Big Barda. First name Big, last name Barda. That oh, yeah. was my favorite part. I I The way love Gerard her. draws her too is just like I mean she does feel like she would be the goddess of roller derby. Uh, uh, yes. There actually is a girl named Chrissy Crash and she's almost seven feet tall and on skates she's giant she's your size. That's terrible. But imagine on skates coming at you full force. Like, I was like, that's Big Bird. I was like, that's Chrissy Crash. Like, I, I know that girl, and she's she's destructive and awesome. And, like, I just love how they drew her, that he, like, she's a giant, muscular lady. But and... she's also so hot. Yes! Like, they find a way to, like, make this balance where, like, and even though she's, like, incredibly attractive, she never feels like you're never, like, lurey. Yeah. Like, it's weird, because, like, I'd love to see him... Like Gerard's do a Wonder Woman run because mm-hmm. I feel like he might be able to nail what so many mm-hmm. artists fail at, which is like trying to draw like a strong woman who like is sexual yeah. but like isn't isn't usually like yeah hey, yeah yeah like, like look at those yeah, curves. We, we talked about that on the Wonder Woman Rebirth review and also on Red Sonia. Just that that walking that line between like what is exploitative versus what is empowering and like what is like embracing your sexuality versus what is like just TNA for the sake of TNA and you know I mean comics for so long have been a, a boys medium for for almost for ever right and uh, now that, I, that it's becoming so mainstream which is fantastic we're seeing all these these less objectified costumes uh, for the female characters and uh, but it's still it's still a line that you kind of have to to skirt because you know like uh, yes skirt. people st- yeah because <laughs> people still like want to adhere to like certain like the, like do, how much does power girl look like power girl without the whole the cleavage hole you know what i mean like you try yeah. to say uh, you know and, and they try to spin it however they want to spin it but let's be honest power girl was designed for that cleavage hole you know what i mean like it's just it is what it mm-hmm. is and uh but i do love the fact that we get to see artists like this now portray characters like Big Barda and make them they're sexual. She she's sexy, she she wears sexy stuff, but it's not mm-hmm. exploitative. It's not what she's using as her power, you know? Well, and I think some of that comes like out more than anything else of the tone. And it's the thing that made me kind of fall in love with like King and Gerards as a team in general, is that like 
they like it's one of the first notes I wrote is like because I I uh, I love comics like I love comics so much it hurts. Oh. I don't necessarily love superhero comics okay. because I think that like the concept of superheroes in comics has kind of permanently damaged comics as an art form kind of irreparably forever in America. Sure, and I think that when you look at the way manga is treated or the way comics are treated all across like you know Europe and uh-huh. and things like that and uh, are so vastly different yeah. and like I think that like. Uh, you know, American comics really kind of, I think because of the comic code and because of a whole lot of issues and stuff like that, we're never allowed to like evolve into being something that is not, that that is, there's a level of like maturity and not maturity like we show blood, boobs and swear. Like, like, you know, it's not Marvel Max. It's like (laughs) maturity in the way that it's like, it is a, you know, like Mr. Miracle is, is a modern mainstream comic. It's part of the reason that like, I want to bring it up, wanted to bring it up for the show is like, I feel like it does everything that I complain about in many books so well that it makes me get even more mad at other books for not living up to like showing like see people can do this and it can be smart and and empathetic and have great art and still be like interesting and dark and feel like a comic book and like the things he's doing with the continuity that like Jack Kirby's fourth world set up back in the day and even like my reading of one layer of this book, because I think that this is this is one of those books that, you know, I think there's a very intentionality to him using, like, the nine-panel format for uh-huh. density, because I think that that's always a little bit of a, like, like books, I feel like, often do that when they're really trying to go, like, hey, we're trying to do a thing here. Yeah, yeah, is, look at it's us always being gonna be, Well, it's always going to be that echo of Watchmen, where it's like, look how much page density we can do. Yeah. And I think that, like, one of the layers of it is, like, Jack, <clears throat> Jack Kirby coming to... DC is kind of scot-free going to Apocalypse as a kid. He's having to leave his comfortable place where he's supposed to be the king and the person who he's supposed to trust most sells him out to Mm. the devil and he goes over to this other place but in the process flourishes. I think that concept and that story of Mr. Miracle is kind of Jack Kirby going over from Marvel to DC. Like this evil man, Stan Lee, like (laughs) throws him away like garbage. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, DC shows up and goes, this will really piss off Stan Lee if you work for us. And he creates what I would argue is like some of the most interesting work and to me, like, maybe the best artwork he ever did in his entire career. I mean, there's pieces from Fourth World that are held up in, like, modern art museums and things like oh, that. Oh, So, like, like the way that that layer and the way that King and, and Gerard's, I think, kind of play with the concept of Fourth World, which is, I think, such an untapped and very, like, loaded and interesting aspect of DC's, you know, continuity is, is just, like, really fun. The fact that, like, so you have this, like marriage level where it's like he is portraying a, a very humanistic real like 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 version of a marriage mm-hmm. it is a commentary on war and on yeah. governments and on the idea of like working for a government and having ties to things it's a commentary about like what family is versus like what you make versus what you actually want mm-hmm. it's this commentary on, like can you get past your childhood traumas to become a well-adjusted person? And these exactly. are all books, this is a whole book that is about a man who is an escape artist who has arguably one of the most preposterous costumes in the history of comics. I don't know how that <laughs> mouth works, it's insane. I know, but, I know. But at the same, and, and at the same time, like, there's also, like, I love that it's even, like, the way they use DC iconography within the book. The fact that yeah. he's wearing all the superhero t-shirts you can buy at Target. Isn't the fact great? that I she gets that the book. Wonder Woman thing from the park. It's all these things that, like, we as people see 
that to me are really interesting in the way that they are able to ground the DC universe. And and again, it's just so funny to me because like Marvel's always like, you know, they set it in New York City and not Metropolis. It's like, yeah, yeah. but it's still a fake city. It's yeah. not actual New York. Like the Yancey Street Gang is not a real representation <laughs> of New York City. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like you're looking at this and the way he's using like, okay, like this this is set in the real world, even though it's the DC universe, because in the DC universe, they also know about Batman. The same way we know about Batman. Right. And it's funny when you think back to the fact that like all those things could be exist as properties because most of these superheroes don't own themselves as intellectual properties because they have secret identities and stuff. Right. So there's this layer of like, oh, somebody could just make a Batman shirt and there's nothing Bruce Wayne can do about it. Yeah. And also he's secretly like, yes, yes, tell them all. Like, <laughs> he has the Batman then birthday party. he breaks party the legs like... of the bootlegger but then lets him continue selling shirts. Oh my gosh. Well, I had a summary but that was like perfect. Like if you guys are so... <laughs> I like that I summed it without giving any plot elements You too. really didn't. Like it's, there, it, it hits so many facets of just like the human experience yeah. in general and like the underworld of uh, heaven Heaven, heaven and Hell experience, too. Have either of you guys read The Sheriff of Babylon? No. no. first mm. book no. kind of out from... Because from, do you guys know his whole backstory? Wait, Tom who, King? who... Oh, Tom the, King? The, the, the author. Like, Tom King, before working in comics, was a CIA liaison in Iraq during the what? first years of the Iraq War. And it's... He literally was, like, the guy creating policy and trying to, like, help... Like, he, was, he wasn't, like, fighting. He was the, on the ground with the Iraqi police, like, helping maintain peace and stuff like that. Right. And his first book back is a book called The Sheriff of Babylon. It's a two-volume book, and it's just a fictionalized version of his time as a CIA operative during the Iraq War. And it... If you ever want to sit and read two of the best comics you'll ever read and then spend two and a half hours afterwards just hating the U.S. government, cannot <laughs> recommend it enough. Oh, my God. It's... He is, you know, a guy who has seen some stuff and I think that like a lot of great comic book writers those people who don't come immediately to comics who like kind of have a life and then approach this the same way I think like all writers like the best writers are people who had you know like Mark Twain worked on boats and then was like boats are cool I should write something like you know there's like (laughs) there's a proud history of that kind of approach to writing and when you read Sheriff of Babylon and then you see you can almost feel him get the idea for doing the high father versus dark side thing as he's doing America and Iraq and, and going through all of this. And it's really, really interesting to see these parallels. Cause like, you know, he's written everything he's written has been, that team has done is great. Like I have not read the Batman run, like, yeah. but like the, there are other pieces like the vision, which also feels like the demo tape for this. Yeah. Cause the vision book is really neat. And I think that it like almost gets there, but you can literally feel Marvel like, holding him down going like we can't we can't have that much humanity in these books you've got to have a one line zippy thing and someone's got to hit somebody and he's like but what if we just had people walk around talking about their feelings for a whole yeah. not in our house no comic of ours is gay get out is that the vision book that like uh, was like a year ago or like two years ago or something yeah the, okay, gotcha. And is that the one they are sort of turning into that WandaVision? Yes, that is, it is what WandaVision is the basis Okay, of. okay. That's, oh, so he did that then. Yes. Um, awesome. Oh, and I will throw this out, like, since that, the, with that, uh, I was telling Tess this, this is, this is very uncharacteristic for me, but I feel like I, I have to share it <laughs> if I'm doing this about Mr. Miracle. Uh, Please. When I first read, before the issue run was even done, when I read the first couple, maybe first two or three issues, I lost my mind because I was like I can't believe how much I love this book and then also had this concept for how to pitch it because it was when the Justice League and the Batman vs Superman were all just a tire fire collapsing into the sea Yeah, and I was trying to fit like I was like what would DC do different and I had the concept of like well what if you did the first five million dollar Blumhouse style superhero movie and you play it more like it's a genre sci-fi low budget horror movie kind of setup and so I wrote a 20 something page I think 22 page like treatment 
of a tone piece that is kind of inspired off of the first three or four issues of Mr. Miracle for what a, and I called it Scott Free. Okay. And it was one of those things that like, and then the irony is like literally I was pitching it to my manager and then my manager was like, by the way, uh, I'm getting out of management. And so it was this real fun thing. Like, so I just have this thing that like sits and, and fell to the wayside, but I, I periodically look at it and just go like, I've, ne- like, I've never been a big adaptation guy. I've never really wanted to like, Right, like I've never wanted to write a superhero movie or or even like superhero style comics, but like this thing just poured out of me, and I've never had a book inspire me creatively in the way that this book has done. I sent oh, her the thing if she ever, yes. if she wants to send it yeah. to you. It's it's uh it's it. insane. Like it's 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 definitely aiming towards more like a a sort of psychological horror film because the idea was like show as little of the crazy fourth world stuff as possible in the same way that you wouldn't show like an alien spaceship or a ghost or something like that because then when you do see these flashes it creates in your mind this larger sense of a world around you right oh, I want to read that now that I've now I've officially read the whole thing I definitely want to read that I think that'd be such a cool take and I hope that uh, you can pitch it to somebody else it's, soon it's the nerdiest <laughs> thing I've ever done right? <laughs> oh it's... and that's saying a lot for you because uh, the guy who's about to go do a Simpsons, Simpsons trivia night. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love how passionate you are about this. All week, Kyle's been texting me like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's, I love it's, it. Uh, I, again, it's, the problem is it's why I feel like I don't talk about comics as much as I could is because I like, like them too much. Yeah. Like, I care, I care too much. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Right? <laughs> I that into a lot of social situations I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in the right white circle right now. So, what were your guys' feelings? Had I, had you read it before? No, huh? This is okay, so this was new for both of you. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, this yeah. was uh, new for me as far as uh, this creative team goes. It was new for me as far as the new gods go. Uh, so, I knew who uh, Mister Miracle was. I knew who Big Barda was. I've recognized a lot of the players in this, and obviously, I know who Darkseid is. Mm-hmm. But I actually Darkseid really is. didn't know much about the new gods and and how the relationship was. When I when I saw the thing about Orion, I was like, okay, I, I do remember that Orion is Darkseid's kid, but I didn't. Know know that Mr. Miracle, I didn't know that whole thing, and uh, so this was was an introduction to all that uh, as well as an introduction to just how Mr. Miracle and Big Barda sort of interact and all that kind of stuff, and Honestly, it was one of the most amazing sort of comic books I've ever read. It oh was just, gosh, it was beautiful. Great. It was the, the story that it was telling was <laughs> was beautiful. The um the the artwork was just un unbelievable. And you know, you're talking to somebody who likes the weirder stuff. I grew up loving like Sam Keith stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So you know, I'm I'm okay with like like sort of following along with a little bit more of an extreme art style, and uh, I like that kind of stuff. And the artist just did so much good facial stuff like yeah. you know all oh, the looks yeah. on Scott Free's face um, and I so do believe good. that his beard grows during the whole course of this whole yeah. uh, uh, comic which was a nice little touch um, I personally even though I kind of grew up like enjoying the gritty stuff of Marvel and then I kind of segued into almost being uh, nothing but dark horse uh, licensed stuff throughout the 90s I I what got into all the aliens <laughs> all the predator <laughs> all the terminator stuff everything um, but, uh, so like, I didn't get too hardcore into DC until I got older, but now See, I really, way. yeah. Ah. And I really enjoy these funky costumes like Mr. Miracle me and too. truth, truth mm-hmm. be told one of my all time favorite costumes of all time. And it took me almost my whole life of denying it until I said, you know what? This is true. 
Red Tornado. I love Red Tornado's costume, yeah. and it's just as absurd as Mr. Miracle's, uh-huh. but for some reason, it's so much fun. And it, and you get older, and you're like, you know what? I enjoyed the gritty stuff when I was a kid. I want to see some colorful, fun stuff now, you know? And yeah. uh, But this, this, I mean, this walked the line of that. It, this was fun and colorful and beautiful, but at the same time, super dark and super gritty. Yeah. But that juxtaposition really makes the beautiful moments stand out. Yeah, and coming in as, like, a new comic book reader, like, this is, this was probably top three of, this easily, <laughs> fist pumping over here. This My is, new goal is to just slowly yeah. fill out your top ten with things I've recommended. Yeah. It's just Kyle's top That's, ten is my top ten. I can be that ten. kind of terrible influence. <laughs> I just loved it. Like, I totally agree with you. And you, the artwork is just amazing. Like, the nine-panel thing, I'm like, surely we won't do the nine-panel thing the whole time. But it's the whole time. Consistent. But it's great because it's like, it goes into this world. So, it's here on Earth. It's it's the human experience. And it's also heaven and hell in their terms. And then it's also, like, this robot ghostly form that takes place. Like, I love at the end of every single issue, there's just this page. And I thought something was wrong with my freaking tablet. Oh, when it was getting all... Staticky. It was like the mates, just, like it, just, that's such a neat effect. Like yeah. the fact that this whole thing is like put out as this like '60s Batman old serial style thing. Yeah, and I love that. Like at a certain point, the narrations at the end stop matching what is happening in the story yeah. as you kind of disconnect and realize that like it's literally going like. This is not the comic book storytelling tropes aren't going to work here. We've well, gotten too real. I lo- I love it because like okay, so we've been doing this comic book for, since September uh, podcast in September, and I feel like there's it's very formulaic. Like I feel like sometimes it gets too much in a groove where everybody's like, "This is how we make a comic book," but this one had my intention the entire time. It's crazy how well paced it is for how dense it is. Yeah, like, you know, like I am one of those people who like Watchmen is a gold standard for me. But even like you know, Watch- Watchmen's not a perfect book. It is a perfect book, but it's like it's got. <laughs> things to it it does you, you when you read it a hundred times you start to notice some of the tricks yeah and i think it's interesting because like watchmen is great but definitely there are moments where the pace is ripping and there are times when it slows down it feels very intentional but like this book just moves like yeah. it's it is crazy how fast you can read this 12 issue run of nine panels on every page and it just goes it, and sometimes the nine panels there's no words yeah. which i love because it's like it feels like you're breathing into the emotion of the moment and it's just like it's and I love that the, comic books can do I've that. I've got a couple like issues that I use as like my like like examples. And I think like the trial in their living room. Mm-hmm. Oh, a, I love using, that. Using the visual <laughs> yeah. motif of the vegetable tray is yeah. incredible. Like what a beautiful, yeah. stupid, insane thing that just works so well. Uh-huh. But on top of that, like one of the big things because I remember reading that issue and it breaking my brain. And then there is a big chunk of my treatment where there is it's different characters, it's a different context, but like I do basically a version of that same sequence of the true false. There is no room for interpretations, and I just think like that that's like four pages worth of dialogue. And I feel like many editors would look at that and go, "Get out of my house!" Like yeah. there's no way you're going to do this sequence for this long and this level of density. And not only does it read fast, but it's to me. Maybe the second or third best part of the comic. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for me, the my first, my favorite moment in the entire comic was Darkseid eating uh, a carrot, you know, with the, uh, the yes. dip. <laughs> yes, that is, that is real good. The, uh, my, my number one is the issue after he's sentenced to death, though, where it just stops the whole run and just becomes one of the, like a Richard Linklater before trilogy movie with two people. Where they're yeah. like, we're going to build the closet, that part? The, the, that when part? they go out to the carnival, oh, and yes, they, they yeah. go and, and do all the things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the fact, that, and that's the issue, too, where like the disconnect really happens because it's like funky and the two, uh, you know, fourth world people show, or not fourth world, but like, uh, uh, it's the Acropolis and what's the other one? What's the good planet? Hi, um, oh. 
high oh, something. Shit. Anyways, uh, but like they show up to bring him over to kill him, and Bardo walks in naked and just murders yeah. them all. And then she's just like covered in blood with the staff, and she says like Stay with me. And like the narration doesn't match oh, yeah. that at all. And I was like, that that was the point where reading it the first time I was like, This is maybe the greatest comic ever made. Like this is this just had a giant woman brutally murder four people while naked, and then just say like You should stay with me instead. And I was like. All right, fine. Here's yeah. the, how much money. Like that, I believe that was when I pre-ordered the trade. Was like I was like yeah. the run's not even done yet. Let me just go ahead and give you my money. Oh my God. I just want the confidence of Barda. I like she's just like, hey, what's you're up? You're Barda S. Yes. Oh my God. Like, that I would was definitely say you're Barda adjacent. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kyle. Like, I, like, like you're fun and fun, and and I'm also a little afraid of you. Perfect. Like, that, Corey, I know are you that a your fist could break my face, yeah. but also you smile a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, and to answer your question, yes, absolutely, I'm a little afraid of you. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. You have much. the confidence of a dangerous person. Yeah. Oh my god, that's gonna be my new Instagram bio today. I have the confidence of a dangerous person. I'm gonna quote you. Thank you guys so much. Wow. Yes, like, well, that's the show. That's the show. <laughs> this is Big Berta signing out. Big Berta now, S. Oh my god. Now let me ask S. you something. Was this uh, oh was this gosh. Rebirth or New Fifty Two? This is Rebirth, I, right? Oh, Rebirth, good question. I believe, yeah. Okay, so is that mean? Is this officially like Dark Side's dead, or like you know? What oh, I mean? sure, but but also like they'll bring him back when they need to. Right. So this, so it's more of like uh, this is kind of self-contained in this book here, essentially. Yes. Which is a thing that I think like DC is often very comfortable with doing is like here's a self-contained story. It has a definitive ending with some choices. When we need to retcon it, we will, but it doesn't mean we're going to undo this or not let somebody do this. Right. Which to me is the byproduct of a company that created Crisis on Infinite Earths is that like we got too deep and we had to kill everyone, but now we've got a plan for that, which is just sort of do it, then figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's the and best yeah, way I mean, to Because we, we, Tess and I had that discussion uh, with Wonder Woman Rebirth and how like so much of the story was also based on trying to it fit in the New 52, trying mm-hmm. to fit in all these old concepts of Wonder Woman. And I think, uh, I know I felt this way, and I, I think Tess might have felt a little bit too, is that we felt it was a little overburdened by that. And if you are just going to reboot something just reboot it like just make a clean slate and if we all are on the same page that this is a reboot then don't like even bog it down with stuff so i liked how this i didn't know anything really about mr miracle going into it other than just names you know names and slight relationships you know i kind of recognized almost everybody at some at some point but i really didn't know much about them and i I like that here. I can be like, okay, I understand Mr. Miracle. I understand Big Barda. And if this doesn't maybe apply to Golden Age, you know, Mr. Miracle or Silver Age, Mr. Miracle, you know what I mean? If these things don't apply to it 100%, well, I, I don't care. It's okay. With Mr. Miracle is that he is a creation of like the Bronze Age. Mm. So, like, he doesn't have World War II and Silver Age right. baggage to take with him. With him yeah. Oh, it. thank God, because I, I'm I tired do, of that. I do genuinely think this is, is one of the handful of books I have where, like, I think I could handle this to pretty much anybody and go like read this if you enjoy this comics maybe are for you like if this is not for you i don't know if there's like because you don't have to like and i mean to a normie like i think yeah. it's yeah. like it's it's not continuity heavy it's a self-contained story it's got all these pieces that like i mean like there's so many great comic stories that are fun but you really can't handle like like x-men is like one of those things that i have love for like i've read mm. claremont's run from 78 to 91 
Uh, and, and that's, to me, like, one of the, the most interesting runs of comics as anything is, like, Claremont working with Ann Vicente and Louise Simonson and the fact that, like, it's the greatest thing Marvel has ever accomplished. And it didn't involve Jim Shooter and they let a woman run something one time. <laughs> and, like, Danger. And all of a sudden, like, it, you know, and, and that has a thing. But, like, even something like the Dark Phoenix saga, which people try to hand off so many times, is relatively incomprehensible if you've not read two years worth of X-Men Right, stuff. It's right. so hard to not use the S word there because you know it's a fun ride. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's it, and that is this kind of like weird thing is like I think that DC as a whole, but especially this book, along with things like you know Watchmen's always been a good one. I think like the first trade of Sandman is always like kind of a good one. It's like hey, goth kid, you want to read books? Like <laughs> uh, you know, and I think like Red Sun from Superman, you know, oh, or I even like Flashpoint, one. like in Mark Wade's like Flash Run, or all these things where it's like hey, you don't have to worry. Like this is self-contained, like a TV show, and you can just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to, Red Sun's going to be on our to-do list. Uh, I think that'll probably be our, I think that's our first Elseworlds book that we're, oh, that Tess nice. and I are going to okay. read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Red Sun's I want to read fun. it this month. I think we're going to read it this month, too. Well, it's not very, not very love-oriented, though. Oh, Valentine's. but I thought red. Oh, but it's red. Okay. Oh, no, oh, right? Like, I don't I like know. This is a, you this went is outside a... of the box, hey. and I'm trapped inside the box. Come back. <laughs> okay, guy who loves Mr. Miracle that's outside of the box. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so the Red Sun, and then what was the other one? Or no, Red Sun, yeah. Yeah, Red, Red Sun was, yeah. uh, it's our first Elseworlds book that we're going to tackle it at some point, whenever whenever it happens. It'll be I fun. It's a good story. It's really neat. I like the Elseworlds stuff because the, the yeah. same way, because you can kind of do whatever you want to do, and you're not burdened by the continuity. But, you know, to, to bring it back to Mr. Miracle, it's great because you see that there is some history here and if you like what you see then you can easily go down like a, a big bar to path and start yeah. reading about the Furies and, and, and Granny Good or whatever her name is you know all that kind Granny of goodness. stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you can start digging into that and go down the, the dark side holes and stuff just to have fun with it but if you don't want to it's still all right here for you to enjoy to digest to take yeah. away you're not losing any of of like the heart that the writer and the, the creative team are trying to sort of give you here you're not going to lose any of that by not knowing anything about this about any of these characters i didn't know anything about anybody i kept saying dark seed in my head yeah. and then i showed john i was like look john my husband look john um look it's dark seed he's like it's dark side and i'm like but it's spelled d-a-r-k-s-e-i <laughs> oh, oh, i can read the, the don't you had to see it in a toy commercial in the 90s <laughs> I yeah i mean i still call him dark seed in my head like yeah. when i say dark side it takes a like it takes effort and thought because my my entire so life, I called him Darkseed, and Darkseed, when I was younger, yeah. I called Rogue like Ragu. Like you, you read you read, uh, Chaos. I called Chaos Chose because like you would read these words that you yeah. didn't ever say out yeah. loud. Yeah. And a lot of times, the problem that I have with like the creator names, I've never had to say someone's name to somebody else, except for like maybe McFarlane. You know, you're talking with your friends, but a yeah. lot of times, I don't have to actually say you know Frank quietly out loud yeah. and right. stuff. It's just quietly in my head. Shema. Like there's yeah. so many names where you're like. I think this is how this is going to go. Yep. Gonna be, is, it, is it Buscema and Bruschetta? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's spelled like this. <laughs> Figure it out. Can yeah. I ask you a super nerd question, by the way, just because I've got you on, on the phone here? I mean, sure. please, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just because I think we're kind of similar vibe-wise in what we dig and stuff like that. I have a question. We were talking about New 52 earlier and the fact that they insisted on having some of that continuity be in Rebirth. Yeah. Do you think, because this has always been my cynical take on it, the reason they insisted on doing that is so that they didn't compare New 52 to Heroes Reborn. What's Heroes Reborn? <laughs> Sorry, just so, what's Heroes Reborn? Just so I'm into this question. Is that okay. the... 
The Heroes the, show, you mean? No, no, no. Heroes Reborn was a 90s thing that Marvel did where it's like, we're going to reset all oh. of our biggest heroes and all those guys who left for Image are going to come back and design new versions of all these characters. We're going to give them badass new origin stories. It was the... It's what ultimately leads to the Ultimate Marvel Universe, which was their actual we successful did, okay, reset. Yeah, okay. yeah. This was the version before that where it was like, what if we did that, but it was bad in every way? Like, oh. And so it's like, the costumes looked awful. The storylines were terrible because none of those guys were good writers and and they washed it away wiped it off and for a long time it was this thing where it was like it's why marvel did so many moves after that where it's like look you guys gotta see like like yeah. i know i know we just were did a real terrible thing but here's a bunch of good stuff <laughs> i feel like that's kind of what new 52 was it, it was the same thing where it's like we're gonna really blow the doors off and then like none of it really worked except for animal man and swamp thing and yeah animal swamp man thing! Was, was good swamp thing was good i so i was i went and out really, of comics like, and the fact that like scott snyder they're like scott you just keep doing whatever you feel with batman you and capullo yeah. don't have rules that apply to you <laughs> yeah exactly um i Late 90s, I got out of comics uh, post, you know, the image, the Liefeld era, all that kind of stuff. So what you're talking about there with the rebirth, I wasn't in comics at the time. It Mm -hmm. wasn't until I started working at Diamond Comic Distributors in Baltimore as a customer service rep that I kind of got back into comics. And I uh, kind of got back in with the authority, with uh, Planetary and all that kind of stuff. And then at the the same time, um, I was there for New 52 and everything. So when, you know, when you can order your comics out of a previous catalog with the highest uh, uh, discount rate, you know, you tend to just kind of dive and try everything. So I was reading kind of like all the new 52 and whatnot. I was like, this is really okay, I guess. You know, like I was like, (laughs) I'm not really sure. And then as I got then older. I don't now collect so much like individual comics as as so much as I go back and just like I like to read full on trades like yeah, uh, you know same way yeah and I like to read stuff like you know I, I read the whole Jeff Johns Flash uh, run you know which is like eight trades or something I, I want to oh, actually yeah. own all of them because it's one of, that's one of my favorite runs ever I loved how um, he made you know the Rogues Gallery actually cool it's, it's incredible the way he and, like he came with Murmur too right that's in his run I think so I, I I believe so yeah it's either him or wade did murmur but then like yeah he made, like jeff johns made reverse flash not the dumbest thing ever and instead terrifying yeah yeah reverse i know and, and, flash and we were just talking about that reverse that's flash he said became that. he became my favorite villain during uh yep, the jeff johns 100%. run and i loved how he was like i'm gonna make you a better hero by being your greatest villain essentially like because it's like one of those things where like all great villains think that they're the the heroes they don't really think that they're the villains of the story and he's just an insane version of that but uh, he was great, but what made me love that run was like somewhere in the middle, the, like all of uh, the city was like on fire, and Wally West and the Flash, Wally West and Mister Freeze, kind of like had to walk through the city. And oh, I'm sorry, Captain Cold, uh, and and there was a statue of Barry Allen on fire from the Flash Museum, and you know they're just walking by, and Captain Cold just puts the the, the statue out, and uh, with his you know, and Barry uh, Wally West was like, "Why'd you do that? It's the Flash." And Captain Cold just looks at him right in the eyes. He's like, "Dude, that's Barry Allen." man like you don't like he <laughs> like so there was so much respect that he had for Barry Allen that he could not allow like fire to like tarnish the metal and I just I love that I loved him he looked him right in the eyes he goes 
dude, that's Barry Allen. Like you, like like you, like I'm Captain Cold. You, you're Wally West. That's Barry Allen. You don't mess with that. Even <laughs> I know not to mess with that. And at that point, you talk about falling in love with like a comic. That's when yeah. I was like, this is amazing. I freaking love this. What's um, the since we have sort of similar ratings? What's the longest run of a series you did? And did you finish it, or did you go? I got to tap out. Ooh, oh, good uh, question. I mean, at this point, probably well. Uh, some long runs that I did do was I did I read the entire Ecstatics run the um, the All Red slash about Mulligan my, like, third favorite comic series in the history of comics oh. but, bro I have the I have the giant like like twenty like pound uh, omnibus hardback omnibus uh, in here that I have to read on a table because you can't hold it up it's amazing and uh you know Mike Allred's one of my favorite artists oh, yeah. but Madman is something that is the world is better because Madman exists amazing. <laughs> yeah and I went back to to you know I I, I found Madman later so like i i mean i found mike allred probably i fell in love with him on ecstatics even though i was obviously Same. familiar with Mad Men. Uh, i went back and i read Mad Men, loved it and then i read um where he did like the superhero team with like go uh you go girl and stuff like that oh, yeah, yeah. um and uh he's uh, mike allred's great and we're gonna do um his silver surfer run i think tess is oh, gonna cool. get have yeah. a lot of fun with mike allred's artwork with, he's, uh, with he's awesome. buddy jeff, art, jeff yeah. may he's yeah. gonna be on our oh, show beautiful. and he's gonna do silver, silver oh right silver. On. yeah mm-hmm it's so yeah, uh, and and uh, but to answer your question, right now currently, what I've probably read the most consistently, the longest is uh, I read well, I read a hundred issues of uh, Walking Dead, and then uh, okay. uh, Go- Go- Ghostbusters is probably one of my consistent one that I'm reading consistently for the longest. I didn't even thought about Walking Dead because like I work for the Talking Dead, so I never think about it as a comic. It's just part of job. Yeah, like <laughs> and uh, but like that's I, I've finished Walking Dead. I did the whole run, and then like X Men's my longest. But the one that I always think about because like I don't ever even know like why it happened but like I tore through 18 volumes of fables in a month oh okay oh yeah and it was one of those like I just could and what's weird is like but I've still never finished fables I hit this weird point where I was like I have six more trades still to go and I've already read 18 I think I have to step away there's so many and and it's it's so long and it's consistently it's never bad like it gets weird with five w's but like <laughs> but at the same time i just like i, I kept i'd finish a trade and go like i'll just do i'll just start the next one maybe yeah. I, maybe i won't finish it and then like by 18 i was like i have to do something else with my life i am dreaming of big b wolf <laughs> big b wolf oh man we gotta do fables on this one too i actually really do like that one That's i i've read i think the first two fable trades but i didn't mm-hmm. go past it I, it, it didn't catch me. I don't think it was bad or anything. Yeah. It just didn't oh, hook me, you know, like some people does. Weird. No. Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, it, the first issue is, is weird. It, it's a little too much for maybe this show. I, so I love like, it because it hits a point where none of the characters in the book that you've paid attention to the whole time are even in the comic anymore. <sighs> and the book has so quietly become about the tertiary characters. And then it goes back and you're just like, why did that happen? And why is it? <laughs> Quietly, maybe my favorite run. <laughs> yeah. This chunk full of characters I don't think about are still somehow the best arc of the story. Because all of a sudden, like, I guess Beauty and the Beast are who are in this book now. Oh, yeah. Sure, whatever. You also feel like an idiot anytime you describe that book. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're like, no, that's not actually the story. Like, no, no, no. Beauty and the Beast. Be- Beast is actually a jerk. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we do this all the time. We just go off on a tangent of I mean, comics because it's awesome. You've They're experienced awesome. this is rad process. Oh, yes. I know. Yes. Oh, I think we started smelling your Instapot lid on yes. the thing. Yeah, that's Burnside's just... Instapot lid. Yeah, I, yeah, not yours. did not make you do that. Yes. Also, you volunteered to do that. <laughs> I did. We didn't yes. make you smell an Instapot <laughs> lid on the podcast. You made me. We're not an AM yeah. radio. <laughs> <laughs> or like a drive time AM show. Or, I can't even say FM. Or, 
My brain just had five strokes. I'm back. <laughs> Kyle, welcome back. Oh, that was a commercial on so, Kyle's brain. What else jumped out at you guys while reading it? Um. Okay. So I think I'm trying to think. Um. Oh. Okay. So I did want to say because I do like to say not what I don't like necessarily, but mostly like what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to explain this to my husband and kind of Corey, but I think that like. Because boys, and it could have been girls, but because boys have grown up on, like, these story-heavy things, like, um, not outer-worldly, but when you make up world-building. Like, you guys have, you guys were obsessed with, like, video games and comic books, and I feel like that type of storytelling, your mind is open to every single effing possibility there could ever be. My mind is not there yet. Like, I'm trying to really open my brain because I'm like, no, this is how a story goes. Mm. And as comic books, it gets, like, just wonky because it can. Because with a movie, you don't have as much time to explain everything. Even a TV series. But with a comic book, you literally, there are no boundaries. You can explain. You can do spinoffs. That's my favorite genre. Yeah. Spinoffs off spinoffs off spinoffs to explain everything. Um, So sometimes in this one, I didn't understand that the heaven and hell and then like okay they switched babies when they were born and who Orion was and why did he kill his father and why did he have a mug that said I am God but the whole time he's trying they're like don't don't know God's face yeah Yeah, so if you guys could break that down for me just in a very even for our listeners too because we try to bring in new comic book listeners and so like if we could just break that like simplify it I would argue simplify the most and say a lot of it doesn't matter okay great I'm on and I think that that to me is like a strength of the book is that like I feel like uh, so many of those details like you don't need to know yeah. and a lot of times it's just like if you get it you're like oh, that's fun yeah like but it's it's I don't know that any of it's like something that like we're not getting more out of the book by like because some like, of them like I get and go like I think I get where this is going and I yeah. could go down a rabbit hole and I can figure out whether I'm right or not or I could just sort of like take it for what it is but I yeah. think that like like the face of God thing is to me maybe the thing that like feels the sweatiest in the entire book. Yeah. Like, because, but it, and I think it's because, and I don't know if, if, if you have the same take on it, but for me it's like, it's the thing that has to help push the plot forward, which is like the least fun part of the book. I understand. And so that I think that like, they had to kind of give something, and I feel like it, it has to then seem like it has more weight because it has to move the plot forward, and so much of the book is so ethereal right. that like, it has to keep popping over those, because to me the best version of that was when like, Forager Bug comes in. Yeah. And that run, to me, like, you know, Forger Bug, there's these people who are, like, bug people. And they use those as, like, frontline stuff. And they're kind of, like, the lower class of these worlds. Mm -hmm. Of the the, the high father's world. Like, scummy kind of people? Yeah. They're actually, when Gerard Way was running Young Animal, his beautiful little failure at DC, where it was a bunch of cool books that, that... they canceled because like Mo- Mother Panic was one of them. Mother Panic and yeah. like For- oh, yeah. Forger Bug was one of the ones that Mike Allred drew, and it's it's a weird mess of a book. But I actually read that because of that character's appearance in this to try to put together. All right, what the heck is all of this? Okay, like and okay. so it is just like another one of those extensions of weird things within the universe. Yeah, so you have to like really forgive and let a lot of stuff go. I find the DC stuff you can do get away with that quite a bit. Okay. I don't know if uh if this was on your radar. It's one that kind of fell into my lap and is one of my favorite comics and I probably would have never looked at it, is like Keith Giffen's run of the Justice League International. Mm. Okay. And that yeah. <laughs> it's it's so good. It's what if the Justice League was a bunch of like 
kind of vain, money hungry adults who are like act like children and fight, but they're the Justice League. That's and this, this, and that's the one people. where Guy Gardner was the, the yes, head of it. Yeah, he's the yeah, head yeah. of it, and and it's it's all third tier characters, and they all hate each other, and it's like. You know, it's very much the precursor to what became like Million Allred's like X Force and stuff like that. But it's mm-hmm. it's really fun because they just it's the idea of well, there's a superhero team. But what if the superhero team is just your job? Like, and you uh, don't really love your job. But it's like, like this the forty is how hour a week. Thing. Yes, and uh. they that those that really taught me how to in some ways like read a DC book where it's like okay, I don't need to know everything, but the more I know, the more I'll get out of it. Sure. And now when I see Maxwell Lord pop up in something else, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from that thing. Like, oh, there he is. He's yeah. bad. Oh, I know he's bad because he was bad in this thing. And so so now I kind of, and they don't need you to like, oh, here's here's the packet. It's just yeah. like, don't worry about it. Like, if, if you really, like, if it's really holding you back, like, it's a bummer. But for the most part, just don't worry about it. And then years later, you go back and read it and you're like, well, this makes a ton more sense. Yeah. But also, like, it still made sense the first time. Yeah. And Tess, uh, to let you know, Maxwell Lord is the villain in Wonder Woman 84. That's, Ooh, uh, that's I didn't know that. Well, I mean, it's, it's Pedro Pascal's. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Pedro's character is Maxwell Lord. And <gasps> oh, I think yeah. he's going to be the, the villain in it. And they used him as the villain for, what, Infinite Crisis? Uh, yeah. Or, what, or, or Identity Crisis? Identity Crisis. Or what, yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, which was, that was a really, that was an interesting thing that happened. Um, I, I kind of like, that was super dark. That was so, so dark. It's oh, almost, too, it, it's kind of in the same vein as like Killing Joke, where it's like a thing oh, that I, I like, but it's hard. Like, 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 if you don't like it, I definitely get it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of like justifying reasons. I think it's like interesting. You know, it's like when you watch a real gnarly horror movie and somebody's like, should I see it? And you're like, no. They're like, but you said you liked it. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's and and you know to go back to what you were saying about Mr. Miracle, like the the whole thing um, about you know you can't see the face of God. I was kind of like waiting for that to pay off, but it didn't really yeah. connect to me. But I think I needed there was so much density to that book that I think a second reading would maybe open my eyes to other things. Um, so I, I guess it's one of those things where I was like, okay, I'll half pay attention to that, but I'll pay more attention to like what Scott Free and Barda and like that kind yeah, of stuff. Right. Um, you know, because like all, sometimes things. Things, you, you get used to seeing what is sort of maybe just a stylistic choice of how like you know it says you know you'll do a panel then it'll say dark side is panel dark side is and then after a while you just start glossing over the dark side yeah. is part because you're like okay yeah. I get it's it part it's part of your part, subconscious it, that point. Yeah, yeah exactly ooh, yeah, and, well, that, and that's how it should be because dark side is <laughs> like, I, uh, yeah. I, I've always thought like with, with the, the face of God stuff because I, I think I've read it through it I think this was my third time through Oh, and or maybe second and a half, mm-hmm. but like that, and and like it's one of those ones where like I always hate giving like my interpretation at times because like I'm like I don't know if this is this definitely doesn't feel like the real it feels like my take on it, but it was always that like Scott is struggling the entire time to see himself and his importance within the world that he that is his own life, and so like they keep yeah. telling him to not look at the face of God, which is both dark side but also himself. Right. You know, and he is very much this thing that, you know, is this mythic story that has all the the trappings of a Moses or a Jesus or something like that. And so, but the fact that, like, he can't confront himself and his own, like, where he fits into things and, and acknowledge that he might be 
more than just what he wants to be. Right. They have to take the burden of this larger thing the same way that, like, a religious figure has to do. And so, like, when they're saying that, it's like, they don't want him to self-actualize and realize who he is. And he is the face of God that he's not seeing. And that's the struggle of just human life, just getting out of what people tell you that you are or what yeah. you aren't. And really just overcoming that. And that's that's the uh, the human experience. And also yeah. like coming to terms with what you are and then realizing that that doesn't mean that you have to be a certain way. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and what like taking it from like like we mentioned off air a little bit like the chaos magic spin or even just a a magical sort of spin on things I just sort of took it as yeah like like we are the face of God like you know yeah, like it's yes. it's us you know we are all gods you know here type of thing and uh, I, I so it was one of those things where I kind of just like okay I'll take it as that and it didn't you know not diving deep into it didn't really you know hurt the story I did very much enjoy towards the end um, where he's talking to Barda about how this moment that he experienced with his kid where, he, you know, he looked into the eyes of his kid and he could see his his kids' kids look into his eyes and, like, basically he could see the lineage of people yeah. that created this moment and how how when you pull the, the pull back, it becomes so big that you feel insignificant. But mm-hmm. then he realized that, you know, all of that is just possibilities of things to come and that the significance is in this moment right now and living in this moment and, and love right now for versus like what's coming later or what came before i thought that was a nice little moment that he he explained to big barda and he it was like a moment that he went through himself and then kind of came back on his own sort of thing because there was also this this whole we didn't even talked about the fact that the book starts with him trying to commit suicide uh because the whole idea is that he wanted to he he like he's trying to escape like this and and i i liked how you know, Barda was like, well, F you, man. Like, like I don't get to escape our life, you know, like, and everything. Like, are you trying to escape from me? And I, and I understand where Scott Free's coming from as an artist, you know, and I try mm-hmm. to explain some things to my, my wife when I say, like, when life is beating me down, it, I, I try not to, it's like, it's not you. You're not a part, like, it's compartmentalized. It's not you. But at the same time, you know, my wife is like, but I am, you can't compartmentalize it because I am. So if you make a blanket statement that life is hard, that means that our life is hard too. And I'm like, you're right. Sure. That like, yeah. like that makes me like have to look at things as a unit versus together. And like, I saw myself as Scott free at the beginning, doing something stupidly selfish uh, that he did. It was so incredibly selfish and he doesn't think that it's selfish. And I think even at the end, he doesn't really believe that it's selfish, but big Bardo was right the whole time of, of F you. This is selfish. The way we, we are the reality. It's not you. It's not just you. And yeah. that's, that's something that I have to learn as a husband as well. You know, like that's something, and as a husband who can be a very selfish, moody, arti- you know, artistic type that has mm-hmm. mood swings and, and gets down about themselves. You know, I have to remember it's not all about me. And I think yeah. that like one of the really interesting things that again, going back to that concept of, of like the strong marriage is that like, it's so, interesting how like scott spends the whole story so resigned to his fate based on everything that the people from his old life say and do Mm -hmm. meanwhile his wife who he has this better relationship with who actually cares about him and wants a good life for him is constantly telling him that he doesn't have to listen he doesn't have to do these things and he doesn't have to be beholden to this old life of his and it's the only person he doesn't listen to and literally like things improve when he realizes that, like, that is the person he should be listening to and that he can make his own choices or, or decide who he's listening to and who has authority within his life. And, yep. and I think that, like, man, like, 
to to be able to like look at at Barda and the Furies as as these like sixties drawings, you're like. I bet I could turn her into, like, the ultimate example of how, like, you choose your family and what a good marriage looks like. Seriously. <laughs> I, just, I just love how deep this comic went. Like, thank you so I, I much. I think it's a book that over time is also going to, like, slowly build in esteem. Because I think, like, yeah. I think it did okay and it wins a lot of awards, but I don't hear it brought up a ton. Mm. And, I, I, and I think that it is a book that on a longer timeline people will slowly figure out, like, oh, this is maybe one of the better things comic books have ever done. Yeah, it's, let's go this direction. It's yeah, something exactly. I definitely am going to want to revisit, yeah. so I'll probably have to, to buy the trade at some point. And, I mean, you look... Oh, sorry, um, no, yeah, I was just gonna say. I just, I know you gotta head out soon, but I just wanted to say one of my last favorite things was when she was giving birth. Uh, I loved how the Furies were invited. I love even, it. It's, that's that's <laughs> one of my other favorite issues of the run. That, yeah, the art it, of them sitting in that on those little folding chairs all yeah, together, yeah, and, is so good. And I, I thought I, it was I, the furries. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh goodness, that's a it different just, story. It was okay. just so cool that they could put aside their differences for this greater moment that that both sides recognize was a bigger moment than than their differences you know i like that i and i've told Tess before i like stories where two people from different sides of the coin like say a cop and say a bad guy have to do something together where they form a relationship you know for i just like two sides of the coin like people being able to com- converse without killing each other it's much more interesting of, of them having that conversation not fighting than if they were actually fighting you know right it is funny too because it's the most visually interesting version of like when you're married to somebody and maybe the in-laws don't get along super yeah. well, but like then, you know, it's the kid's birthday or the kid's being born or something. It's like, all right, this thing's more important than anything we believe in. Like, and, like and I think real that, human stuff? And that's a yeah. very like real human thing that I feel like we don't, you know, we, we become such a kind of like narcissistic, uh, uh, you know, culture. And I think that like you forget sometimes it's like, oh, at a certain point it's not about you and it's not about what you believe and it's not about being right. It's like, it's what, how, how are you going to make the world better? How is like this person that is now a baby has a shot at, like, making the world a better place than you did. Yeah. Like, and it's like, okay, we should probably support this because, like, maybe this baby will solve things and the fact that I was a real bucket of garbage gets underplayed because, like, my kid was great. Yeah. Like, or, or my grandkid was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, this, I, I'm, like, trying to figure out how to wrap this I up. I got 10 more minutes, You guys. get 10 more. I know, I know. I don't want you to go. Like, we could literally keep talking how about this. How long does the show normally go? Uh, hour, hour and change. Okay, word an hour, we got some change. Okay, all right. No, that's fine. I'm, like, looking at the time, I'm like, you said 2.30. But I know you have to go. Great. You know, whatever Simpsons trivia. <laughs> he literally has to leave here to go to Simpsons I have to go trivia set up night. The tech. And part of me is like, well, the can't, show literally can't start without me getting there. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, none of them yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so it's but it's just it's 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 crazy how much it keeps shifting too because like you know we haven't even talked about there's a whole chunk of this that is a brutal war yeah and that run where it's just them giving him directions and then telling him how and it's just just scott kill a thousand people oh this went over here now you gotta kill a thousand people over here and it's just like the the monotony of the horrors of war i love how he goes back and forth from like trying to figure out how to be a dad trying to win a war trying to figure out how to be a dad trying to win a war which is kind of everybody who's a parent if you want to do anything like like like, you know what you know winning a war in space is great but also so is like trying to write a book or trying to like you know go and still have your job or do whatever thing you're trying to still be a person and do while still doing this i love that the book posits you can do this right because I love, I it, you know, I've always like I'm obsessed with comedians who are married and who have kids. Uh-huh. Because like I like the idea of getting married and having kids, yeah. but I also don't want to give up my career as a comedian. <laughs> and like it's always exciting because I feel like so much of like American culture is like 
well, if you have kids and your life's pretty much over, yes. you might as well just like lay in a gutter. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like, I love that like we are kind of getting to the point where it's like, oh, actually you don't have to do that. Actually you can be a good parent and then also still have a life and it turns out there's a balance. Like you don't just have to give up. I love that I'm part of this, that time where it's not like the girl has to go have the baby and go away and disappear and all of her dreams fade away. Yeah. It's like, how do you make this happen? How do you incorporate it? How do you get in the mindset where you're like, just, we just make it work. When I was in my twenties for, for, and, and you know, it, it is like early when I was like getting out of college and stuff. I was like, never want to get married, never want kids, because like, man, I just want to live my cool life. And then like, I worked, started working with kids and working in schools. I was like, oh, kids are actually kind of cool. Like, I don't like they're, I know I, it turns out I'm not one of those scally people who's like, I hate children. It's like, oh no, it turns out like, like they're they're not so bad. And then yeah. like really realizing, like, oh, you can do all these things. Most people are just like lazy and dead inside. Yeah, and just like I mean, really that's... wanted an excuse to quit. Like yeah. they were just like, well, I tried, but you know, oh, with the kid who has the time, and it was like, well, what about those things? You know, I just, you know, I look, the Big Bang Theory syndication isn't going to watch itself. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> CSIs get lonely if I don't show up and watch them every night for five hours instead of doing things with my time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, I, had, I had the same uh, sort of uh, probably mindset, hence why, you know, I'm, I'm 42 and, you know, I'm going to be an old dad when we start, you know, trying in probably like a year or whenever it happens, you know, we're going to hopefully start trying in about a year. But yeah, I'm... I'm going to be an old dad, and that was uh, because uh, it took me a while to realize that, yeah, you, you, life doesn't end when you have kids. My buddy Zach, who does uh, podcasting after dark with me, I've seen him. You know, he, he's raising his kid. Just He's he's awesome. His kid's really freaking cool, and his kid's, like, into freaking He-Man, so they go to, yeah. like, PowerCon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You can sort of, like, mold, mold this little creature into, like, something that you, you know, something that's going to enjoy. You be careful. You, you do. Sure sell it right, because otherwise they grow to hate it if you push it too hard. I know, I know. That's true. That's true. I always so joke that like, uh, leave them around and then like yeah. not mention them and just like you don't want to look at those. Yeah, they'll get real into them. <laughs> oh, that 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 clash album, those comic books. You leave those alone. That's not for you. Don't want that. <laughs> I, I joke that our kid uh, with Myra that our kid's gonna hate Star Wars and like Star Trek, and I'm like, God, oh, oh, I love this kid. <laughs> Are you a Star Trek? Yeah. Oh, you've heard it here, folks. Ding, ding, ding. Here we go. Uh, So Corey is obsessed with Star Wars. And we bring it up every single show somehow. This is a whole other conversation. I don't have the five hours required for this. You got no change for that. You don't have you have a swear barrier on me. You're asking me to operate on a lot of handicaps. Oh my god, you guys, I've got I've got Yes. I've got the perfect show. We're doing Star Wars versus Star Trek and I'll be the referee. Girl, I will bring a squad together here. <laughs> well, that's not to say that I, I hate Star Trek. And yeah, actually, and I, and I, I, I'm, I, I'm lucky. My my wife loves uh, Star Wars. She loves it. But she's also a huge fan of OG Star Trek. Like, she oh, loves original, original Star Trek. Now, as far as, like, I go movie-wise, I love Star Trek, the, the motion picture, the very first one. Because while I do like sci-fi, uh, while I do like Star Wars, I like my sci-fi movies to be very slow and methodical and plotting. So Star Trek, the motion picture which is not on a lot of people's favorite lists. I just got super into it recently. I love I that a, movie, dude. I was a next-gen and DS9 guy yeah. for a long time. And then I kind of started to play around with the, the original series and enjoy it. But like that first motion picture, I'd never seen. And yeah. I like, had seen Wrath of Khan. had seen Search for Spock, Voyage Home, all that kind of stuff. 
And then saw the first one and was like, oh, this is like a weird masterpiece no one talks yeah. about. Yeah, it's like, I mean, nowadays you could you would never do a freaking five-minute shot of the Enterprise flying over V'ger. Yeah, like, oh, you yeah. would never do five minutes of that. And now I'll just smoke a bowl and be like, this is awesome, man. You know, It, it is also, do, I feel like it is hard because you do have to explain to people that that bowl is pretty important for Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. Like, Very, it's, 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 a, it's an enjoyable film, but, like, the your certain substances will really take it from, like, an 8 to a 12. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's that is necessary for viewing requirement right there. <laughs> uh, I, I it's uh, I had something that's gone now because I just started thinking about those money shots of the Enterprise. <laughs> oh, I have a whole like thing I'm trying to figure out what to do with like because but I want to do some kind of like podcast or some piece on it. Maybe we'll have to get you put content in here for this. Is like the post Star Wars run of sci-fi movies that are nothing like Star Wars, but they all, because they also exist in the same time period as, like, the the movie, Brat Pack, New Wave of Directors. (laughs) So you get this litany of science fiction films that cross the gamut that are all, some of the greatest science fiction films ever made that are all also so not Star Wars, but all exist because Star Wars got made. Because you get Star Trek motion picture, you get Alien, you get Blade Runner, you get the Black Hole, like, you get, uh, uh... You get Ice Pirates. Yes, ice pirates. You know, there's so many like weird things that all happen that only happen because because, Star, yeah, Star because of Star up. Star Wars blows up. And it's like spaceships. That's what they want. And it turns <laughs> out it was intellectual properties. That's what we're gonna shove on them. <laughs> it, it turns out we wanted mythos. That's what we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> turns out we wanted compelling stories to be shown, things they hadn't seen before that were put in an interesting way. Well, oh, speaking yeah. of Disney's things, like shut up and eat out of the trough. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of uh, interesting things that uh, we haven't seen before. For this Mr. Miracle Trade man was was so freaking awesome and yeah. segue. thank you segue. He's, he's good you are, yeah. I see you've played Knifey Spoonie before my friend <laughs> <laughs> but man I'm so glad that we had you on the show so we could Seriously. read this I, I'm, and and it, you know you. running multiple podcasts at this point the only content I consume is something that I have to, to review for a podcast so this was fantastic I don't know if I would have read it otherwise but now I want to go and check out more from this creative team. Sheriff from Babylon, definitely the place to start. It's so good. Okay. And it's, and it's very similar. This is the closest in art style to that. Oh, nice. What? Nice. What? Uh, who put that out? What was that I image? Believe, I believe it's image. Okay, okay. I'll look that up. I'll it might be one up. of the last Vertigo books, though, too. Okay. All so right. it's one of those two, but it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, guys, this was a delight. Please, Thank like, if you, you ever want somebody to shove more weird books at you, it's all I do. <laughs> You're on our list. Really. Please, Thank please you. go ahead and please plug uh, your yes. podcast. Oh, yeah. and, any, and anything right. else you yeah. want us to follow uh, or whatever. Yeah, so uh, my main podcast is uh, called This Is Rad. Uh, Tess was just on its own roller derby. Uh, if you're ever down in L.A., we'll have to get you on. I'm afraid of internet connections collapsing and losing <laughs> episodes. Uh, and we're too razor thin on deadlines to be able to do internet. But uh, <laughs> but definitely, if you're ever down here, please come do it. Uh, sure. It's about people come on, they talk for about a thing they like. Because uh, I feel like so much internet is snarky and about how things are dumb. And I feel like you often get to know people pretty well. And it's never like, oh, they're an expert. It's just something you think is fun or yeah, like, that yeah. you enjoy doing. And like, and it's always just a jumping off point. The show's really long. We go on a lot of tangents. There's lots of weird, fun, recurring bits and stuff like that. We have we also pulled Marvel and Star Wars off the table at one point because we interview so many comedians and that's all they want to talk about. So Amazing. we have an official... We have a couple, Ed Greer and Clee Wiggins, who are official Star Wars experts. And okay. they come in every every numbered Star Wars film. We have a sit-down. <laughs> we awesome. do a State of the Union every two years, a basically. State of the Union? <laughs> and then we have oh a my Marvel, God, my friend that. Jeremy Scipio, who's a brilliant comedian. Uh, I didn't even know he liked 
Marvel or comics for five years or so of knowing him, and then he like let it out. So I'm like, well, you're now our expert because I have a lot of weird questions. He has amazing takes on stuff <laughs> that I don't normally hear, so they're fun. But we cover the gamut from abstract concepts to you know way in depth on bands and movies, but also like we just did one on scuba diving, you know, so amazing. we kind of go all over the place. Uh, and then I have a second show called Everything Is Scary. Uh, it's an all horror show with my friend Jen Saunderson. Uh, her and I are both obsessed with horror. It's my favorite genre, and it's us just sort of uh, talking about horror and recommending stuff and reviewing new things that are coming out. And we're so we're, it's a very new show. And we're kind of finding the format of it as we go along. But uh, Jen is legitimately one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. And so Aww. the fact that we just get to sit, she has really cute cats, and one likes to fall asleep in my lap. So that's a bonus. Too. Oh my gosh! Uh, I also uh, have a uh, album out called uh, Absolute Terror that came out fall of last year off of my record label Radland Records. Yes, yeah. Uh, I run a label called Radland Records with my girlfriend uh, Taylor VH, and uh, we I don't know if I just use her stage name. VH, it sounds cool. Taylor VH, and we want to get her on the, the show talking VH about comics. Yeah. Too. Yeah, and uh, and so she and I run this record label, and it uh, we put out independent comedy albums from artists that normal big labels might not invest in. But I decided like comedy's been very good to me, so I'm trying trying to invest back into the community that gave me a lot of opportunities. Aww. Uh and then yeah, so Radland Records, uh, my own maps with tarot, those things. Is there anything else that you want? Uh, if you want to pick a fight with me about any of the stuff I've said on this, uh, beloved listeners of the show, uh, <laughs> at Kyle Clark is rad on Twitter and Instagram. I don't post a ton. But I do interact with people and they interact with me. Uh, I don't love social media, but I love interacting. I feel like if you invested the time to listen to me on a podcast, I, I, and you have follow-up questions, I'm happy to talk to you. But like, I just don't, we can't do hot takes that make me want to puke in my mouth. <laughs> uh, so I think that just about covers all and, of And it. We'll, we'll link to all of those Everything, in our show yeah. notes. So when Ooh, you're listening yes. to this, you can go in and, and click on the show notes and find any of these links. We'll link to everything you just uh, named. So yeah. yeah. Oh, and that album's on Spotify and iTunes and everywhere. Okay, yeah. perfect. Thank you so much, Kyle. This has been so much fun. I've never met anyone who talks as much as Corey, and (laughs) Corey, I think we've got you beat here. Um, All I know is I like the cut of this guy's gym. (laughs) (laughs) Right back at you. I like this podcast because it's like, 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 Tess, I was like... And you're all right. Like, she very quickly went from some girl at a party to, oh, we're friends now. Yeah. yeah. But Taylor, my girlfriend, seemed very confused where the sister of her friend, all of a sudden, and I are best of friends. Yeah. Party. Like, this was my party. I'm like, no, it's me and Tess's party. Yeah. So now it's, again, I should have assumed that if she likes you, that clearly you're, you're a class act. So, uh, so, so thank thanks. you for having me. But thanks, brother. He is. He is. We love Corey. Corey, where can we find you in cyberspace? Oh, you know, guys. Uh, you can find me on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, weekly talking about Seinfeld. You you can find me uh, every other week uh, talking about cult horror movies on Podcasting After Dark. Yeah. Uh, we, let's talk offline about uh, doing a doing an episode there. <gasps> Into it. Dude, <laughs> that would be I'm awesome. I'm just going to do the, 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 the Corey Tour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also has the Seinfeld podcast. Did you watch Seinfeld? Don't watch Seinfeld. Okay, okay. okay. I was going to uh, say, uh, oh my gosh. Um, I went Simpsons oh. on that path. Gotcha. But you can you can find all of our podcasts, including this one, Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast, at the BFOPnetwork.com. Everything is there. All of our links are there. All of our social media links. And each uh, each podcast in the network has its own uh, page. So you can find individual you know, Podbean links, anything you want. So if any of these podcasts sound interesting to you, and if you want to find more links for Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast, because even though you're listening to it right now, but if you want to go deeper uh just easy easy peasy just swing on by bfopnetwork.com and everything is there and you can find all the different podcatchers and you can find me in the matrix as well even though i don't have 
500 projects. But yeah, but I'm your st- Instagram is fierce. Oh my god, There's thank like you. There's like five people actually pay attention to you on Instagram and you have entered that run. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Let's just have a show where we tell Tess why we love her. <laughs> Alright, uh, well I'm slowly but surely surely building up my group and podcasting group, but uh, yeah, you'll find me here on OCD the most, and you should definitely check out our, um, episode our the episode of This Is Rad called Roller Derby. The first of what I'm sure will be many appearances from Tess on I the show. I cannot wait to go back on your show, you guys are so freaking fun. Um, but you can find little old me on Instagram at Tessianos, that's T-E-S-S-L-A-N-O-S. Oh my gosh. Kyle, don't go. I know you have to go, <laughs> but don't go. Just stay. We'll talk. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And this is... Kyle. Woo! Okay, we all know that, right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> no one can see that I wave. <laughs> did you guys I hear his wave? I saw it. Yeah, did you guys hear it? Did you guys hear it? <laughs> I hope you guys heard the whooshing sound of a friendly wave. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Later. This has been another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion with Tess and Corey. Follow us at OCD Podcast on Instagram and Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast on Facebook. You can also review us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, and support us on Patreon. Tune in next week for another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion with Tess and Corey. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.